Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that sovereignty over these lands was never ceded and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast. There is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Hi Sanctumers, it's Kate Sear here. Welcome to another edition of the fifth quarter. It's the most exciting week of the year for AFLW fans, grand final week, and gee, we have a tantalising contest ahead of us. With two-time premiership favourites, Adelaide, going up against the underdogs, the mighty Melbourne Demons. Will it be three times lucky for the Adelaide Crows, or will Daisy Pearce finally get that elusive flag? To answer these questions and more, we thought we would bring together two of the best footy brains in the business. And so I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined this week by not one, but two AFLW coaches, Craig Starsevich from Brisbane Lions, of course, a premiership coach himself, and Trent Cooper from the Fremantle Dockers. I'm going to ask them about how they see this contest a few other tricky questions for them up my sleeve as well and of course I'll be getting their tip. So welcome to the Outer Sanctum podcast Trent Cooper and Craig Starsevich. It's so great to have you both. Pleasure to be here. Would have preferred to not be here and you had either Matthew Clark or a mixed veneer on board but very happy to to be on with you today. <laughs> Consolation prize I guess isn't it for Coops <laughs> and I. <laughs> it is. It's the best we can offer. Um, now, obviously, it's an extremely exciting week. We're heading into the AFLW Grand Final. We've had the W Awards. There's so much to talk about, but I can't focus on the Grand Final just yet because I don't want to bury the lead. And that, of course, Craig, is you doing the shoey at the W Awards. Talk us through the shoey and why you did it. Is it a Brisbane Lions tradition? <laughs> <laughs> it is, as, as Coops will well know, once the girls sort of dare you to do something, it's pretty hard to back out of. So uh, there was a discussion before the event about should Batesy get across the line, you know, what are we going to do? And they all had different ideas. And then I got sort of stared down by Jade Allinger at one point and said, you're doing a shoey. I said, what's a, what's a shoey? Um, and away they went and said, okay, well, let's hope Batesy gets there. And if she does, we won't really care what we're doing. So we'll, we'll stick to it. Yeah. I have to ask, having never done a shoey myself, is it disgustingly sweaty and gross? And does it taste like your, what, what your own foot must taste like? <laughs> uh, there's a few flavours, Kate, that, <laughs> that come to mind. But... Um, Truth be told, half of it ended up on the floor under the table. So uh, apologies to the staff and Crown for the cleanup <laughs> afterwards. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever Jade had in her 
champagne glass, a uh, bit of bit of orange juice, a lot of champagne, and and that beautiful texture of leather and whatever else was hiding in or living in my shoe. <laughs> and it's been a very it's been a very humid summer in Queensland too, so there could be all sorts of things growing in in leather shoes. Uh, well, look, it's not it's not very appetising to me. It doesn't sound very tasty, but well done, Craig. Good on you for doing it. Um, you must have been thrilled to see Emily Bates take away the W Award. What does it mean to you as a coach to coach an individual? who wins an award like that? Well, the Fox has had experience um, last year with Turbo, obviously, but it's a, it's a buzz, no doubt about that. It's great for your footy team. It's great for your footy club to get that level of recognition and particularly Emily who um, I've known well beyond the six years of the competition and um, seen her go from being one of the most talented under 18 kids in the country to you know cementing herself right at the top of uh, the AFLW. So to see that progression through her career and through her life has been, you know, we're all really proud. We're, we're like parents to our guests, but it's it's been amazing to see um, to see her progression. We always thought it was going to happen, but we just weren't too sure when. I was going to say, Stars, it's great when one of your players wins an award like this, but it must be extra satisfying with someone like Emily, who has always been a good player, but has just continued to rise each year and take her game to that new level and that yourself and the coaching staff and your high-performance staff have obviously had a big part in helping her to get to this point. Yeah, we've had some great coaches around her, um, Coops, and I'm, I'm not talking about the head coach, I'm talking about the line coaches. So, you know, Simon Black's been around her for the best part of four or five years now. Uh, Clark Keating has been more ruck coach than midfield coach, and, and recently we've added um, Daniel Webster. So they, those three people in particular have had a, a big influence on on Batesy and how much improvement. And and Blackie sort of said to me numerous times this year that he's he didn't think our improvement would come from the mid 20 year olds, uh, and we're all of the same opinion, really. Our, our improvement was going to come from our 19 to 22 year olds, of which there were a fair swag of them that played in the grand final last year. We didn't think it had come from Batesy and Ellie in that age group, you know, so that's a fair indication of how driven she is. Trent, uh, talking about, or, or Craig mentioned there, you feel like a proud parent. Talking about feeling like a proud parent, you must have too uh, earlier in the week when Hayley Miller was named in the All Australian squad and she was the vice captain. Tell us about the impact she's had on the club this year and also whether you did a shoey or something else in the in the inner sanctum of the Dockers to celebrate that win. No, I didn't, but they've I got a text from Gabby O'Sullivan about three minutes later after uh, Star did here saying, we've got motivation to win an individual award next year now. And I said, oh, well, we might have to come up with something different. That's been done now. Yeah, but Haley's efforts, she's just, she's been on an improvement cycle you know, since I've been there, well, before that as well. But this year, she worked really hard in the off-season. People have put it down to the captaincy, but she'd actually already made the improvements and the sacrifices to have a really good year before that. Yeah, she's been phenomenal on-field and her off-field leadership as well has been uh, been outstanding. And it was great that she was recognised by her peers when she finished second to Daisy Pearce in the AFLPA Captain of the Year, which um, they sometimes... Being a long way away, that doesn't get noticed, but it was really good that her peers did notice that because her leadership this year in trying circumstances you know, for, for big parts has been been phenomenal. Now, obviously, it's a disappointing week for you both in a way because you both made it through to the prelim and obviously would have loved to have been in the grand final, but it wasn't to be. Nevertheless, congratulations on two fantastic um, seasons in really challenging circumstances, as you say, Trent. Have you both had an opportunity to look back on the season yet and, and to reflect on it? And do you have any key takeaways? Craig, I might go go to you first. Uh, yeah, Kate, like our, our win loss this year, nine and three. Last year we were nine and two and won the flag. This year we're nine and three, not even playing in the grand final. So 
Um, that bit's hard to stomach in some ways, but it is um, a bit of a nod to the, the ever-growing competition. We're, we're playing more games of footy, albeit just the one, but we are playing more games of footy. It is harder to finish up the top end, and we are now playing genuine final series. So you've actually got to be good in those three weeks to, um, you know, to take home the ultimate the ultimate prize so it feels more like footy now it, it feels like a footy season you've, you've got your qualifying period and then you've got your postseason to, to steal a, a US phrase but uh, you've got to be good then and, and Coops and I were talking the other night about this weren't we Trent about the, there's not much between the top six teams right now in the comp and it was the same last year the top the top six are separated by a hair you know on your day you can probably knock over anyone but yeah, it's, it's it's hard to stomach that you're not playing grand final day, but I'm immensely proud of our group. And we've actually improved, I reckon. So we're playing better footy, one out of nine games, but we're not playing in the in the decider, which is which is hard to stomach. Yeah, we reflect on it really positively. Um, after we had a, obviously a great 2020 season, we were really disappointed with our 2021, particularly the way it finished. And it wasn't just the final, it sort of petered out. So we've had to change quite a few things this year and we've actually got now one of the younger lists in the comp as well so we were wrapped with what we managed to achieve this year and got a lot of games into our young players and a few of them maybe didn't stand up um, in the finals but they will be all the better for that experience so hopefully when we get there next year they'll have that under their belt uh, and ready to go so we talked about we, we faced a lot of challenges during the year um but they were challenges at the time, but in the end, we've come out stronger for that and a better team. And to be away for so long and for Dana East and Michaela Takarena and Amy Franklin to live with Kiara Bowers and Hayley Miller and Cara Antonio and see how they, they act and behave and prepare themselves, is going to stand them in good stead for you know, hopefully 10, 12 years careers. Um, and you can't buy that experience. Um, it's, it was lucky enough that it was forced on us. And it wasn't great at the time, but we look at that as a, as a huge advantage now having been through that. Yeah, that's fantastic. You talked about expansion, Trent, and I actually wanted to ask you both about this. Craig, I know you've been pretty vocal about it in the last um, couple of weeks, but also last year. I know you, you spoke up about it too and the impact that expansions had on Brisbane, in particular where new clubs can come in and poach your players. And there's a big risk of that now, of course, with the final four teams to come in. How confident are you both that you can keep the squad that you've got together, largely together? And and is there anything that you can do to keep those women at Brisbane? Uh, and at Frio. I'm really sorry, Kate. It must have dropped out, that question about expansion. I didn't hear any of that at all. So can you repeat all that? Oh, jeez. Um, where, where so how many – you lost seven to West Coast, I reckon? Uh, nine. nine. We lost nine. Nine in there? Yep. Yeah, okay. We, we, we ended up losing 11 uh, three years ago. So there's no hiding it. It bloody hurts at the time because you're um, – You've built this team up uh, together and you've, you've formed some relationships and you're getting some progress with the young ones and, and so on and so forth, but you know, then they get up and walk. So that, that, that's always difficult. However, there's opportunity for others and both, both clubs have done pretty well since. So we're, we've been able to bounce back okay. But I'm feeling the same feelings I did three years ago now. It's just the, the apprehension and the, you know, is our culture good enough? Is everything ticked off? What are the other clubs trying to sell that you know that they think you don't have and they do have? Which which I'm starting to cross that list off by the day, thinking you know what we've been going for six years now. We've we've made plenty of mistakes. We know what works and doesn't work, but we still haven't nailed everything. But we've we've covered off most things now. And God, it's going to be you know 
it can be interesting to see who who decides that the, the grass is greener. So yeah, um, that's that's probably where I sit right now. But it's it's still a, a, a fair feeling of apprehension. What's it like for you, Trent? Um, we're hopeful that we're. The, the tyranny of distance can actually help us in this situation because it hasn't helped us when we've been trying to attract players to come you know, across the country. It hasn't been easy and we're hoping it's sort of similar the other way. We hope that that you know, we've created an environment and the players want to stay and they play good football and, and have fun as well. Um, if there's players that need further opportunity because they you know might be on the list not getting a game, we can, we can understand that, but we'd hope that the players that are playing each week, you know, we're, we're in a in a spot where we should be challenging for a few years uh, ahead as well. And you know, for those players to play alongside you know, Kiara Bowers and Ebony Antonio for as long as they can as well, we hope that's going to be the, the selling point in keeping uh, people here because we know that they could earn more money if they move. That's just going to be a given. Um, but we hope that what we do offer offsets that and that uh, we manage to keep the majority of the squad for I was going to say next year, next season, because it's not next year. Just give the Premier a call, Coops, and tell me to shut the ball again <laughs> in those two weeks. That's one thing he's willing to do, sure. I think. <laughs> That's true. That's a popular, very popular policy over in WA. Does this mean that you're spending this time, which I imagine you know might ordinarily be a little bit of downtime post-season, reaching out to the players and having conversations with them and seeing where they're at and trying to encourage them to to stay on board and stick it out? Yeah, definitely. We uh, we'll do our exit interviews uh, early next week, and yeah, we'll be having those conversations you know, at that point with the players and, um, yes, yeah, seeing if there is any. We, we, we had Normally there's whispers around. We haven't heard anything at this stage, so hopefully that is the case. But, yeah, we'll be doing our best to make sure everyone's happy, comfortable and going forward. And But, though, if they're generally not happy with us, then um, let's see what can be done to help them and to leave us in a reasonable spot as well. But at the moment we think we've got a group who's pretty committed going forward. Well, we're, we're a little bit the same. We're um, Obviously we're closer to the action, I guess, in terms of moving. Um, but there's still there's still going to be an interstate move involved if they're if they're contemplating doing it. But as Coop said, we're we're doing exactly the same right now. We're going through our exit interviews uh, starting this afternoon. Actually, you get a bit of an idea there. If if a player is looking for opportunity, we would like to help them and and provide you know try and work something out with another club that they get an opportunity to, to play. So that that part of it, you know, we can help facilitate a bit. Um, but for the ones the, the ones that are, are, are regulars in our group and have got a lot of footy ahead of them, we're hoping it's going to be with the Brisbane Lions. It's an interesting time. It's the last time that players will get the opportunity to go go and chase a new club and, and set themselves up on a higher tier. So um, I know last time we had 11 players leave and it, none of it was for uh, the same tier. It, it, it was it was always uh, there were always enticements and there were always job opportunities and those sorts of things. So. Uh, some of that stuff is an established club you can't compete with because you've already filled up those positions. So, yeah, it's just the, the lay of the land as it is now. But we're hoping that our culture and, you know, strong group and winning culture is something that will be uh, good enough to keep most. Yeah, well, I wish you both luck because I know it must be an extremely um, a- apprehensive time, as, as you said. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Mel Jones and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. You talked, Craig, earlier about how the woman, the women's footy space is quite different to the men's footy space and one of those differences comes in terms of the sports media landscape. And I just wanted to ask you both about something that we have, a, as a podcast have noticed and that we're quite grateful for. And that is the way in which you do both get around women who are in footy, often on social media, supporting, you know, women who are doing this kind of work. Is that something that you're doing consciously to try and support women in and around footy? Or do you see it as part of the job? Where where's it come from? I can only speak from my point of view here, Coops, but the people I come across, um, Sam Lane and uh, recently Gemma Bastiani, um, Sarah Black, have known for ages, uh, you guys, Kate, who else? I've, I've always thought and actively helped Lauren Arnell to continue her media work in Brisbane too with the, with the ABC. From my point of view, it's just that, that old perception from men's footy that that women won't have anything informative to to say around football is is a ridiculous notion in the first place. But no, no, you need to you need to hear Lauren Arnell's views on the game. Okay, so here she is in front of you. Make sure you listen to what she's saying because it's on point. That's my thinking behind it. That you've got to, just that wall up from from people in the media, mainly males, who think that um, they've got everything covered. Yeah, there's obviously a disparity between the sexes and how many people in the media and I consciously push the females who, who I think are really good at their job and who need to be heard more. I won't be supporting every view and every person. I'm really sort of making sure that they're the people I think that, um, and these people don't always, I don't agree with what I say all the time, but you never are when you're a coach in the media. But like someone like Gemma Bastiani with her analysis um, is first class and I use it as a coaching tool, let alone as a you know, informative thing as well. So she will analyse things slightly different to what I will, and I'll go, okay, that's yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm commentating FSCN on the weekend, the grand final, and I'll be scouring through all her th- her data before game just to add it to mine to see if there's anything different there. So yeah, I, I think it's great that we're getting different voices with different views, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Well, one of the highlights of the weekend is to sit down and watch Friday Night Footy and listen to Daisy. To be honest, like she is the best analyst on the airways at the moment. So she's added enormously to um, Seven's coverage on a Friday night, that's for sure. When we were playing Melbourne that day at Optus, I really wish she'd just concentrate on her media or coaching career and stop playing because she was a pain that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like a triple threat. She's good at everything, Daisy, isn't she? Well, let's um, let's turn to the grand final because I want to pick your brains about this. So if I, can, if I can ask you to both put your coach's hats on and help me preview the grand final, Craig, you've just come off playing Melbourne, of course, and I wonder if you can tell us what do you think is Melbourne's pathway to victory? Uh, uh, less of a reliance on Paxman as an inside midfielder has, has been a big change for them. So... You know, now that Purcell's got some games under her belt, she's in there more often. Mithin's in there more often. Uh, Hanks has been there the whole year. So that, that part of the ground now, uh, they have a much less reliance on, on Karen to get in there and, and get her hands on it, although she's damaging on the outside. Start the, that, that move with Paxman, was that halfway through your game when you are up by three or four goals and she got flipped to the outside and has been there since? 
Think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think she spent too much time outside the mid on on the wing uh, prior to our game at Metricon back a, a month ago. No, that's been I think a big change um, in their season, and they've gone really well from that point for those reasons. Go on. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Just to and, and Purcell coming into the team that night too. Um, probably facilitated that a bit. And then the other end of the ground, of course, you've got to have someone in the way of Taylor. So first of all, you've got to get the right matchup, but you've probably got someone dropping in front to try and block up space a little bit too. And those areas, we got we, we got done pretty well on the weekend, both, both of those areas. But we probably uh, weren't thinking too much about Bannon sneaking out the back either. So that's that's the other side now that we've got Taylor coming up at the ball and Bannon sneaking out the back if, if they can pull you up nice and high. So... She kicked two, getting out the back, which and that was enough at the end of the day. But um, yeah, her she's she's quite a player. She's something that kid. She can run. She can take a catch. Um, she's smart. Um, she's going to be really something in the next couple of years. Trent, you've just come off coaching against Adelaide, who I think will almost certainly go into the grand final as the favourites. Uh, what do you see as their pathway to victory? And do you see any weaknesses in the Adelaide squad that um, can, Melbourne can perhaps capitalise on? I think where Melbourne can get them is their depth. Stars just talked about their midfield and they're, they're so even through there. And then you throw in Eliza West as well and they're just really strong right through their midfield, whereas Adelaide probably do rely a bit on Marinoff and Hatchard and you know that they're going to have good games. Um, but Melbourne's depth, I know when we plan against Melbourne, I looked at their side and go, oh, like, there's no holes there as far as talent goes. Um, and if they perform well across the board, I think they can really take it right up to Adelaide. Adelaide's strengths, as good as Marinoff and Hatchard are, I think the one-two of Sarah Allen and Chelsea Randall is just so hard to get past. Uh, we put a defensive player on Chelsea on the weekend, and unfortunately we lost Gabby O'Sullivan with an ankle injury. So Bianca Webber, who was doing a reasonable job, had to go in the midfield. After that, we could not get the ball past Chelsea. And Aaron rightfully gets a lot of press and, and praise, but... Adelaide's record with Chelsea and without Chelsea is completely different. Combining there with with Sarah Allen and, and Ratchick down there, it's just such an experienced backline. And when you get momentum against sides in the AFLW, you like to think that you can you know, whack on a few in a row, but their defensive strength and how strong they are and how they just dig in and can arrest momentum. We had it a couple of times in the weekend, but it was those two normally who stopped it and uh, and then get it going their way. So it's a really hard back line to penetrate. Um, they, they actually force you to launch from too far out too, Coops, don't they? they um, their pressure through the middle of the ground means that you, you're trying to go inside 50 from about 80 metres out and it ends up dropping right on the arc and that's that's where all those players end up picking it off. So as a, as a team, they defend really, really well. The chance that Melbourne have got is with their forward line having so many dangerous players, it means that Sarah Allen will have to play on someone, on a good player so she won't be able to drop off. So I'd imagine that would be Taylor Harris. And Chelsea herself, there's no weak links in the Melbourne forward line that, that Chelsea can fall off. So if she's you know, playing... Now, whether it's a Daisy or, or a Bannon or a different player like that, she has to be accountable for that opponent. And that could help Melbourne because, um, yeah, most sides don't have the depth in their forward line to keep you know, Chelsea really accountable. So that that's one area that maybe Melbourne can, uh, can pull them out of shape a little bit. If I could offer you both one out of left field coaching move that you think could blow the game open? If there is, in fact, such a coaching move that could blow the game open this weekend for either team, what do you think it would be? What would be some some spanner in the work, something unusual that you think could take place? 
is a good start. A good enough matchup for both Harris and Bannon, <laughs> and yeah, from Adelaide's point of view, and the same in the midfield. If last year we were we were okay covering off of one of uh, Marinoff and Hatchard, but if you can keep both of them quiet, that goes a fair way, I think. But that's the million dollar question, isn't it? What what would you do? I think if you if you're Melbourne, you've you've got to go pretty quickly and give Taylor a chance, one out, and get it in there as quickly as you possibly can. That's that's the way I'd be going, I think. But that's easier said than done. I'd be looking. I think Maddie Gay is an outstanding player. She's been really good at off half back this year, and I dare say that's where she'll start. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mixtonia had up a sleeve to to move her to a different position, whether it's forward, where she's well, she's kicked the winner against us a couple of times at different occasions, or through the midfield um, to really. Uh, ignite the team. She's a very good fourth quarter player as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if she stands up uh, late in the game and uh, is the one who doesn't have the profile of a lot of the other players, but can make a real impact across all three lines. So look to see if uh, if Mixtonia uses her in a different way, maybe late in the game. What I want to do to finish up is go through a quick quiz round. So I'm going to fire a whole bunch of quick questions at you and um, just ask you to tell me what you know comes to mind immediately as I throw these at you. And we might go in an order. So Craig, I might get you to go first and then Trent, and we'll, we'll just fire them at you, okay? All right. Okay. There's a couple of controversial ones in here, so um, we'll see how we go. First of all, what's your favourite footy food? Sausage roll. <laughs> Trent? Yeah, I'd go, I was similar, I'll go with the party pie watching the footy with. <laughs> okay, favourite pump-up song before a big game? Absolutely anything by the Foo Fighters. So whatever you like, Kate, throw it at me. <laughs> Been a sad time for us Foo supporters recently. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. Trent? Uh, I'll go with whatever the, gets the girls fired up. So um, this year, Girls on Fire was pretty popular for them to belt out before a game. So I'm happy with that one. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, favourite rom-com? Oh, goodness me. Rom-com. Um, you ask all I the important questions oh, here. You, you do. I, I, I don't have a rom-com. Um, unless Christmas time comes around, I sit down with my daughter and um, wife and we watch all the Christmas movies. So probably Love Actually, I've seen a million times, but there you go. Uh, something about Mary. More common than rom, but we'll go with that. <laughs> oh, my God, that's great. I haven't seen it for years. Now, this one's controversial. But there's only one answer. Favourite footy competition, W or M? I love all footy, Kate. But, def- <laughs> but definitely W at this this point in time. Trent? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely W now. Definitely. Good. Right answer. Which month should, should the season start? September. Uh, yeah, I, I think around then. I'm, I'm quite happy with the new proposal and looking forward to seeing how that goes with that, that late August start and we'll see how that goes. But I'm happy with that. Which team did you barrack for as a kid? North Melbourne. Trent? Well, I wasn't a kid, but when Freo came in, I was Freo from day one. I was actually Western Bulldogs as a kid because I was a Swan District supporter and Simon Beasley played for Western Bulldogs, but I've been Freo since they come into the competition. Actually, can I change that, Kate? East Perth <laughs> and North Melbourne. So. <laughs> oh, East, good answer. East, East, East Perth were my first love. Good answer. Do you believe in footy omens? Oh, Yes, but they never uh, they never work out. I thought I thought all the omens were there for us this year with um, the the twentieth anniversary of the the men's team going a three peat. I thought here we go, we're on here. But uh, no, I, I don't believe in footy omens. <laughs> not anymore. I I try not to, but we had an amazing purple sky the night before we flew out to play North Melbourne. It just came from nowhere and. 
I must admit, I was looking for it hard last week, but it didn't appear. So uh, I, need to, I, need, I need to get them out because purple skies don't come around that often in Perth. So we need to uh, to not rely on that. Yeah, one of our listeners tweeted us a photograph of that actually as an omen. And um, I think that sealed the deal. It looked amazing, by the way. Do either of you have a footy superstition? Something you do a little one percenter before a game that gets your team over the line. This this falls into the same category as omens, Kate. I reckon it's, it's similar, <laughs> um, slightly different though. I I would I would argue. I don't like to change too many things, so it's almost like the cricketers who sit in the same chair while they're watching a teammate, you know, get towards a hundred. So if if something's worked for the last month, there's no changing. Okay. It is it is the same slideshow. It is whatever with a few tweaks. Um, yeah, probably um, the reluctance to change routine would be my superstition, but that's not a great answer, is it, Kate? No, that's a good, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. What about you, Trent? Um, I my the polos I, we wear all the time on different occasions. The only time I wear my pants is match day, so and I'd like to put them on as late as possible. So the last thing before we get in, I feel really good once I've got the uh, the match day pants on. I know I'm in game, so it's the last thing we do before I either, either leave home or the hotel room to head down to the bus. So that's uh, something I normally do. I love it. Which AFLW player from outside your own club do you admire the most? Uh, Chelsea for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I will say Chelsea because I've known her since she was 18 at Swan Districts as well. And yeah, she's just been phenomenal all the way through. So I'm still uh, still happy to go there. Sorry for the same answer. <laughs> no, she's pretty. She's pretty fantastic. Um, who was your all-time favourite sports person? Um, oh, there's a few. Uh, Michael Jordan, um, Adam Gilchrist, I loved. Malcolm Blight, I loved when he was playing for North. Uh, yeah, mine was uh, a Swan District player, Phil Narkle, who never got to the, his highest levels when he went to the VFL AFL because of injuries. But I just adored him as a kid and the way he played, and I got to play one game with him when he was coming back from injury in reserves and I was on my way up. So that was a big thrill for me to play with an idol. Okay, last couple. Who will be best on ground in the AFLW grand final? I think it's going to be Karen Paxman. It's going to go that way. So I'll go a different way now. I will go with Lauren Pierce to dominate the ruck. The McKinnon suspension could be quite hurtful and um, I think she could lead the day for clearances and give Melbourne first use. And finally, the most important question of the year, who is going to be the 2022 AFLW Premiers? Craig Starsevich, who's your tip? Oh, no great confidence, but Melbourne. And Trent Cooper. Yeah, I'm going to go with Melbourne too. I think that their, uh, their depth may be able to, to get Adelaide, but yeah, looking forward to a great spectacle. Yeah, us too. Well, fingers crossed. I know there's a lot of listeners who, are, especially our own Lucy Race and Rana Hussein, who go for the Ds, who'd love to see them get up at long last. So, um, look, thank you both so much for being such wonderful, supportive friends of our podcast. Thank you for coming on and what's been a very busy weekend. I know a disappointing week for you both personally, but congrats on a fantastic season. And uh, we'll see you next season, which is about five minutes <laughs> from now. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Thanks for joining us on the Outer Sanctum podcast. Pleasure, Kate. Been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.